Ron DeSantis has reportedly told Piers Morgan in an interview to be released Thursday that he has what it takes to beat Joe Biden. And no matter what you think about Ron DeSantis, I think just about everyone has to admit that he is right since pretty much anything can beat Biden these days, from bicycles to staircases to multisyllabic words, as the president showed us yesterday during a speech in honor of National Poetry Day. Richard Blanco uh, returned to a poem he wrote from the second inaugural of Barack and Me. A poem, one today, it says, and always one moon like a silent drum tapping at every rooftop and every window on every, in, of every county, country. I'm, let me start this over again. <laughs> I'm getting so intimidated by you being here. <laughs> and always one moon like a silent drum tapping on every rooftop and every window of one country, county, county, all of us facing the stars. Hope, a new constellation waiting for us to map it, waiting for us to name it together. If the country is waiting for Joe Biden to name it, then America is in even worse shape than I thought that it was. But Ron DeSantis is not waiting. He reportedly told Piers Morgan, if I were to run, I'm running against Biden. Like we, Trump and I, are competing for the Republican potentially, I get that. But ultimately, you know, the guy I'm going to focus on is Biden because I think he's failed the country. I think the country wants a change. I think they want a fresh start and a new direction. And so we'll be very vocal about that. That's what DeSantis said verbatim. He's running and he has to run. DeSantis's final term as governor is up in 2026, two years before the next election, after which he will quite likely be yesterday's news. There is no waiting until 2028. If DeSantis passes it up now, like Chris Christie did in 2012, it is never coming back. DeSantis is lagging Trump, but he's within striking distance. And perhaps even more important, should he beat Trump and secure the nomination, he will almost certainly be running against a Democrat who can no longer reliably speak or even read. This may or may not be Ron DeSantis's moment, but if he is ever going to have a moment, it's now. I'm Michael Knowles. This is The Michael Knowles Show. Welcome back to the show. We've got so much coming up. As part of our national identity crisis that we're all going through, there is a man who positively lost it in a fast food restaurant because someone misgendered him, allegedly. We will, we will delve into the depths of the madness. First, though, I want to delve into the depths of the political madness that we've got. President Biden couldn't get through the poem. The poem, poem one, Biden zero. Biden also could not pronounce the name of a new monument that he is inaugurating. I'm proud to use my authority under the Antiquities Act to establish the, and I, I want you to know it's a big deal, the Havanaqua May. I, I'm, I'm having trouble. Thank you. I got it. Uh, This is a really, and I want you to know, it's a really big deal, the thing that we're doing that I'm just reading about now. We're inaugurating, we're naming this mountain, this new national monument as a Uh, What he was trying to say is the Avi Kwa Ame, 
which is the Mojave name for Spirit Mountain in southern Nevada. Uh, this site apparently is sacred to tribes, including the Paiute and the Chemehuevi, and it provides a habitat for a bunch of different species. I have nothing against the Paiute. I've got nothing against the Chemehuevi. I've got nothing against the Mojave or any of the other Indian tribes in America. This trend, though, of naming monuments and national places for veneration after cultures other than our own is very troubling because what it represents is a loss of confidence in our own culture, a loss of affection for our own culture, an embracing of this preposterous premise that America is evil, our civilization is evil, we stole the land, we killed all people, we're the worst people that have ever walked the earth, and so we need to we need to negate our culture. We need to concede our culture, and we need to just embrace every other culture under the sun. This is not how the Mojave would operate. This is not how the Paiute would operate. This is not how the Chemehuevi would operate. This is why I always think it's so preposterous when you see people write in their email signatures now. Liberals will do this. They'll say, sincerely, John, P.S. I hereby acknowledge that I am on occupied land from the Hamahuki peoples that lived here 500 years ago and whatever. Because the question that you always have to ask is, okay, this land was previously occupied by the Hamahuki peoples. Well, who did the Hamahuki peoples take it from? This is what I've never understood about giving the land back to the Indians. Who are you going to give it back to? Are we going to give parts of the Southwest United States back to the Comanche? Or are we going to give it back to the Apache from whom the Comanche took the land? Or are we going to give it back to whichever Native American group the Apache took the land from? This is what's so crazy about, about Mount Rushmore. We're told that Mount Rushmore is a terrible desecration of land that was terribly sacred to the, I think it's the Lakota is who claims that they had that land. But the Lakota had taken that land as recently as 1776. What about the people that they took the land from? This is a big problem. And, and it's, it's now infecting all of our national monuments, not just naming mountains after a native tribe. Think about even the Martin Luther King monument that, we, that was established a few years ago. Not saying it's a problem intrinsically with Martin Luther King or anything like that, but the, but the point of the monument is that it's an unfinished monument, that, that Martin Luther King is emerging out of this monument. It's unfinished because America's unfinished, because it's still a rotten, evil place. So you're not even celebrating anything. It's, it's a monument to resentment. It's not even a monument to Martin Luther King. It's a monument to resentment. It's a monument to progressivism. It's a monument to, to detract from American history and the American story and even the American present. That's the point of that monument. It's a monument that represents a loss of faith in the country and of us as a people. Compare that to Mount Rushmore. What's Mount Rushmore? We go to a mountain that nobody was really using, and we go blow up parts of it and carve our founding fathers and Teddy Roosevelt on the face of the mountain. That's cool. That represents a country that believes in itself, and that is growing. But we're we're depressed now. We don't believe in our own culture. Our culture is depressing because our modern religion is depressing. The weird new kooky religions that we've taken on the weird Albigensian gender religion that we've taken on, the idea that our body and soul are in opposition to one another, the weird environmental religion we've taken on, which which suggests that we all have to give up 
our, our most cherished goods and sacrifice them to Mother Gaia. And if we just stop producing and if we just stop procreating and if we just stop living our lives, then Mother Earth will be happy and, and will save the planet from imminent destruction. That is probably the most prominent fake religion that is animating liberal policies. And who is the prophetess of that religion? Who is the high priestess of that religion? Who is the secular saint of that religion? You know who it is. It's St. Greta of the, of the Blessed Sailboat. Now, for many, many years now, as I have called her St. Greta of the Blessed Sailboat, for many, many years now, as I've pointed out, that global warming constitutes less a scientific observation about the world and much more a fake, false religion. Uh, people have said, that's crazy, Michael. That's awful. You're wrong. You're an idiot. You're ignorant. You don't know the science. Okay. Well, you know, I hate to say I told you so. You just got a little evidence for my theory, which is that the University of Helsinki has decided that it will confer an honorary doctorate on Greta, St. Greta Thunberg. Now, are they going to give her a doctorate in geology? Are they going to give her a doctorate in climatology? Whatever that is. Are they going to give her a doctorate in meteorology? Are they going to give her a doctorate even in biology? No. They're going to give her a doctorate in theology because she is a religious figure for the false religion of environmentalism. That will happen on June 9th, 2023. I have never been happier to see somebody receive an honorary doctorate because this honorary doctorate proves that everything that I and everything that you have been saying about environmentalism and St. Greta in particular has been true, has been true. That's what this is about. It's about a new religion to get rid of our old religion, Christianity. This is a new weird secular liberal religion to animate and to motivate all of the social upheaval that they have been trying to undertake and that they have largely successfully undertaken. Now, speaking of children, there's a great new law in Texas, which we'll get to in one second. I will talk to you about it in one second. But first, when you want to talk to each other, you got to check out Pure Talk. Right now, go to puretalk.com, use promo code Knowles. Do not fall for the free phone deals from Verizon, ATT, or T-Mobile. It is just another trick. It's a ruse to lock you into a long-term contract that will cost you a fortune every month. Instead, get a brand new iPhone 12 from Pure Talk for just $12 a month. No contract, no interest. You can cancel or leave at any time. Pure Talk uses the same nationwide networks as major carriers, so you will get the same reliable coverage you're used to with a range of affordable plans to choose from. You can find the perfect option for your needs. Get unlimited talk, text, plenty of data for just $30 a month. Switch over to Pure Talk in as little as 10 minutes while keeping your phone and your phone number. Their U.S.-based customer service team frankly, is enough to make the switch completely worthwhile. And they make the switch very easy. Pure Talk is so sure you're going to love the service, they're backing it up with a 100% money-back guarantee. Go to puretalk.com, enter promo code Knowles, save 50% off your first month. puretalk.com, promo code Knowles. Pure Talk is simply smarter wireless. Great new law coming out of Texas. This is called the Texas Millstone Act. <laughs> the Millstone Act, wonderfully named, would prohibit gender mutilation procedures for people under the age of 26. Uh, the Texas scorecard says, as more people have been taken advantage of by greedy physicians, the Texas Millstone Act would help protect innocent people from these life-altering procedures. Love it. It's a great idea. 
obviously the the transgender butchery should be banned for people under 26 without question. But it's really just a good start because the gender reassignment butchery should be banned for everybody uh, for a number of reasons. One, you know I don't really trust social science, but in as much as we can rely on social science, uh, the largest data set on satisfaction post-gender reassignment surgery shows it does not improve mental health outcomes. And on at least one score, on the score of anxiety, it would appear to have made those underlying conditions worse. Uh, so from a social scientific perspective, it doesn't work. From an anthropological perspective, it's absurd because men cannot really be women and women cannot really be men. That, that puts forward a false human nature uh, that, that uh, does not fall in line with reality. Uh, from a political perspective and a, the perspective of culture and tradition, it's, it's obviously awful because the moment that you allow one deluded person to present himself as a woman in public and demand all the rights and privileges of women, then you've abolished women's bathrooms, then you've abolished same-sex schools, then you've abolished girls' sports teams, then you've abolished every special right and space that women have. The minute, the minute that you allow one person of any age to pretend to be the opposite sex in public life, all of that's over for women. They lose all of it. They can no longer expect to have any space or right in public that is exclusive to them and not for men. And it's called the Millstone Act because of the, the verse from the gospel in which uh, Christ says, whoever causes one of these little ones who believes in me to sin, it would be better for him to have a great millstone fastened around his neck. Now, this verse is often invoked to, to describe direct child abuse as if it said, whoever harms one of these little ones. It's often invoked when it comes to abortion. It's often invoked when it comes to the transgender surgeries or any other kind of child abuse. But the, the verse is not actually about direct child abuse. The verse is about scandal. It's sometimes translated as whoever causes one of these little ones to stumble. The Douay Reims translation says, he that shall scandalize one of these little ones that believes in me, it would be better for him for a millstone to be hanged around his neck. It's about scandal. And so, so if it's about scandal, then you have to ban the surgery for everybody. Because what is scandalous is not when you directly go in and trans a kid. What is scandalous is when anybody is permitted to indulge this falsehood in public. That scandalizes the child. That's a stumbling block for the child on his way to maturity and education and understanding reality. So it's a good start, but you've got to take it to its logical conclusion. Even the logical conclusion of the name, the Millstone Act, right? It's about scandal. And we have the right to take action against scandal. We always have in America. We always have in every society in the history of the world. We have the right to public standards and norms to protect the children, certainly, but to protect everybody. We have, a, we have a right to stand up against obscenity. This is the point of my book, Speechless, Controlling Words, Controlling Minds, which is available now. Conservatives need to get a lot more comfortable speaking in explicitly religious terms. For one, it works. Okay, it, 
it works, and the libs know this, and the libs speak in religious terms. Conservatives got a wrong idea. Sometime after the 90s, conservatives got a wrong idea that the religious right is ineffective, and we need to stop thumping our Bibles and speaking in religious terms. Let's just talk about taxes or whatever. No, the, the issues on which conservatives have spoken in explicitly moral and religious terms, they're the only issues we've won on. There are two issues conservatives have won on in recent decades, and, and as far as I can tell, only two. Abortion and guns, <laughs> the Second Amendment. And in both of those cases, we speak in explicitly religious terms. Obviously, on abortion, the right to life given to us by God. And even on the, the right to guns through the Second Amendment, because that derives from a right to self-defense, which is evident from the natural law. We have a right to preserve our own lives and to defend ourselves. Those are the issues. On all the other issues where we've rejected the religious language, we've completely lost on marriage, on immigration, on foreign policy, on the way the economy works, on everything. Okay, So we need to get a lot more comfortable with that. The libs do it. That's why one of their most popular public figures, St. Greta Thunberg, is about to be given a doctorate in theology. And it's resonating. It's resonating not just with the right and not just with the far left. It's resonating with people in the middle. It's resonating even with center-left people. Tulsi Gabbard just went on TV to explain what drove her away from the Democrat Party. And it wasn't just foreign policy, and it wasn't just the corruption of the Clintons. It was, it was the central issue. You see this erosion of this spiritual foundation of our country uh, as a direct consequence of those who are trying to erase God from from just about every facet of our public lives. This is one of the main reasons why I chose to leave the Democratic Party, because I saw increasingly how not only were they trying to erase God from uh, or, or any mention of God or, uh, you know, attacking people of faith, attacking people of spirituality, especially Christians, you see these attacks and you see the consequences yeah. in the direction, unfortunately, that much of our, our country it's is headed in and the damage it's causing to families, to children, so to true. our communities. Um, to, to our policymakers, many of whom think that they are God and are trying mm. to control us in every possible way. Exactly. I mean, that, that's been the error in human society going back to the fall, going back to the Garden of Eden, ye shall be as gods. It's the error, the ex-communist Whitaker Chambers pointed out, that motivates communism, that we shall be as gods, and it motivates leftism more broadly, that we're going to control the whole world. If, if, we don't, if we don't like the circumstances of reality, we're going to deny them, we're going to do everything we can to change them, even down to our own identity. We will liberate ourselves not just from the constraints of our natural environment. We will liberate ourselves from our very own identities. If you're a man and you don't like that you're a man, you can change your name. You can refer to your, your true name as a dead name. It's, it's a sort of ritual suicide of your, of your identity. You will take on a new identity. You'll change your body. You'll be a completely different person by killing the person that you actually are, calling that an old dead person. You will liberate yourself even from that. We shall be as gods, exactly what Tulsi Gabbard is saying. And that is, a, that is an unappealing religious vision. Okay, the conservative religious vision is a lot better. Hey, be grateful. Give thanks to God. Accept reality. Accept who you are. Get to know the creator who made you in his image. Much, much better. Way better than the Libs' religious vision at this point, in, in as much as they're speaking in explicitly religious terms, is basically, as Tulsi Gabbard implies, give us all the power and do some weird sex stuff. 
This was what John Kirby, the National uh, Security Council spokesman, just said at the White House the other day. He said that LGBT, L-M-N-O-P ideology is now a, a key aspect of American foreign policy. President Biden has been uh, nothing but consistent uh, about his uh, belief, foundational belief in human rights and LGBTQ plus rights are human rights. Uh, and uh, we again, back to the earlier question, are never going to shy away, be bashful about speaking up for those rights and for, uh, uh, for individuals to live as they deem fit, as they want to live. And that's something that's a core part of our foreign policy and it, and it will remain so. That's a core part of our foreign policy. Transgenderism is a core part of our foreign policy. Then call me an isolationist, I guess. <laughs> I've, I've never considered myself an isolationist. I think that great nations and empires need to be involved around the world. That's just a, a fact of politics and might not be a happy fact, but it is what it is. And so we have a responsibility and we have a, a privilege in some ways to throw our weight around in the world. But what is our weight? If throwing our weight around in the world and maintaining a world order meant truth, justice, and the American way, great. If throwing our weight around in the world meant what it traditionally has in our civilization, which is Christendom, a Christian civilization, great. That's, that's what it meant until 60, 70 years ago, even more recently probably. But if throwing our weight around in the world, if spreading our values, if American hegemony means imposing transgender absurdity on every other nation around the world, I'm out. <laughs> Bring the troops home, baby. Get rid of the bases. And a lot of other Americans feel this way. This is why we ended up pulling out of Afghanistan. This is why there are so many Americans who are skeptical of, of intervention around the world right now. Is they say, okay, I, I, I'm, if we're going to raise the American flag all over the place, whether it's some country in the Middle East or whether it's on the moon, that's one thing. But what if we're not raising the American flag? If we're raising the rainbow flag, if the rainbow flag is now supposed to represent me, I'm out because that doesn't represent me. And whatever political body that flag represents, that is unrecognizable to me. You want to talk about a national identity crisis. I do not identify with that symbol. So what is our country about? Well, you want to find out. You got to check out PragerU. Many Americans have lost faith in the government, media, and schools. The good news is that there is something that you can do to help get the country back on track. PragerU. PragerU is an educational nonprofit that is fighting to save the future of America. Daily Wire and PragerU work very, very closely. I host a show at PragerU. I've done lots of five-minute videos at PragerU. Jeremy was involved with PragerU from the very, very beginning. It's just been wonderful to see PragerU grow. Right now, it is watched 5 million times a day. PragerU videos spread messages of liberty, economic freedom, and the values that made our country great. Jewish values, Christian values for the next generation. There truly is hope for America, but PragerU needs your help. Go to PragerU.com, make a tax-deductible donation. Whatever you give right now will be matched and have triple the impact. Donate $10, it goes up to $30. Give $50, it becomes $150. You get the idea. Go to PragerU.com to make a tax-deductible donation. Whatever you give will be tripled. My favorite comment yesterday is from Joe Wojnowski, who says, Michael, does your contract with DW have a built-in microphone replacement clause to hedge against your Italian speaking habits? Hey, a bibbidi-bobbidi-boo! 
Beepity boppity, hey, forget about it. Forget about it. I know, I know. That's really, that's too bad. I'm gonna don't tell Jeremy about that. These microphones are very, very expensive. Best we can muster with foreign policy these days is to ban TikTok. The the best, well, the the Pentagon is out there. They want to to treat teach transgenderism to little Afghani boys, or I don't know what they want to do. I think the best, the best option that they have offered is to ban TikTok, for which the CEO of TikTok has now flown to the United States. He is lobbying lawmakers, and he's directly appealing to the American people to get their lawmakers to allow TikTok to remain in this country. Here's his argument. Hi, everyone. It's Sho here. I'm the CEO of TikTok. I'm here in Washington, D.C. today, and uh, I have some news and updates to share with everyone here. Today, I'm super excited to announce that more than 150 million Americans are on TikTok. Yeah, That's you are excited half to announce of that. the U.S. coming to TikTok to connect, to create, to share, to learn, or wow. just to have some more fun. This includes 5 million businesses that use TikTok to reach their customers. And the majority of these are small and medium businesses. Now, these numbers are amazing. And I'm so thankful to all of you and the 7,000 TikTok employees in the U.S. who are helping us build this incredible community in America and around the world. Now, this comes at a pivotal moment for us. Some politicians have started talking about banning TikTok. Now, this could take TikTok away from all 150 million of you. I'll be testifying before <laughs> Congress later this week to share all that we're doing to protect Americans using the app and deliver on our mission to inspire creativity and to bring joy. Yeah, don't threaten me with a good time. Take away TikTok from 150 million Americans. I think a lot of people can get behind this because we think, Wow, more than half of the country is hooked on this stupid doom scrolling app that doesn't add anything to our lives and only only destroys our brains and our memories and opens us up to all sorts of propaganda and has backdoors to the Chinese Communist Party. Yeah, no thanks. A lot of people think that. When you add on to that, the the amount of time that TikTok users spend on the app, the average Twitter user, it depends on which survey you're looking at, but the average Twitter user spend something like two to six minutes a day on the app. Some of us spend a lot more time on the app, but, but that's the average Twitter user. The average TikTok user spends something like 56 minutes a day on the app. It's not even close. It's so many multiples higher or order of magnitude higher and then some. So yeah, this, this represents a, a, a threat to the American mind. But then my question is, okay, we're going to ban TikTok. What about Facebook, Twitter, and Google? I'm not saying we ban all those things, but I am wondering, hold on, why are we so worried about TikTok? Well, we're worried about TikTok because it's a Chinese company. Okay. Did, was it TikTok that deplatformed the duly elected sitting president of the United States? W- was it TikTok that interfered in the 2020 presidential election and suppressed a news story that was damaging to Joe Biden and suppressed it at every single level, including private messages. Was it TikTok that did that? I don't think it was TikTok. As I, as I recall, it was Twitter and Facebook and Google. TikTok's got a bunch of problems. If the lawmakers want to ban it, fine, whatever. But actually, the people who benefit from TikTok being banned are Facebook and Twitter and Google. The, the very companies 
that have taken so much of our political power and so many of our rights away, that have acted in a way to dominate the public square, which is the political order in a republic, in which brazenly deplatformed conservatives and censored conservative news stories and censored the duly elected sitting conservative president of the United States. I've heard enough about TikTok. Do whatever you want with TikTok. What about those other guys? They're my main concern. And in as much as banning TikTok helps Facebook and Google and Twitter, Twitter, Twitter now is owned by Elon, so I'll give it more slack. But in as much as banning TikTok just helps American big tech companies, which pose one of the biggest threats to conservative political power and to our whole political order in the United States, then I'm not for it. it, it in as much as it helps those big tech companies here in Silicon Valley, I would prefer that TikTok remain available just to give those guys a little bit of competition. Because the next time that they move to censor Trump or whoever the next Republican nominee is, maybe, maybe that Republican nominee will be able to find a home on TikTok. They seem to be playing much more fairly with American conservatives than, than the allegedly American businesses over in Silicon Valley are. Now, social media, I think, is fueling a lot of, of the insanity around our culture. This is one of the big drivers, I'm convinced, of the identity insanity. You know, I, I talked to a detransitioner, Helena Kirshner, some time ago, and she said one of the, the big factors that got her down the transgender rabbit hole was social media. That he would, she would sequester herself in her room for hours and hours and days on end, and she would be on Tumblr, I think, was, was the social media platform that really got her into it. But all these different social media sites, she'd be divorced from the real world. She'd be living in virtual reality online where the body doesn't really matter. And they would fuel her different anxieties. And they convinced her that she was really a man. And then she came to regret this, this delusion. And then she, she has attempted to detransition mostly successfully so far. Social media is fueling a lot of that insanity. And we're seeing it spill out beyond the digital world. We're seeing it now in fast food restaurants. Uh, it's like every single day, you guys, and this is why I complain about all the time. Look, what's what's his name? What's your name? My name's Alex. Tommy. Yeah, your name's Alex, and I'm gonna be talking to your manager. This guy called me sir. I How do you get this time? It's every I certainly day. everywhere I go, I get called sir. I'm so sorry. Why would you call a chick? Why would you call? I didn't say. No, stop trying to gaslight trans people and tell us that we're. Why would you call me sir? You need to. I'm obviously a beautiful woman. stop being a scumbag and you're a liar. I heard you. Stop gaslighting trans people. Okay. Wait, what? Did you call me a sir again? What was that? You said goodnight, sir? Alex, I'm gonna be talking to How many to times have we seen this video? F- you, okay? You know where there's the one That's that hulking dude you know, goes into a bodega in New York and says, it's ma'am! Remember, it's ma'am! What the f- is that? No, you don't f- do this to trans people. This is discrimination. I didn't no, this is discrimination. I'm done with it. Who, who behaves like this? Who beha- Forget the gender identity problems for a second. Who behaves like this ever? I go out in public. Occasionally, someone will slight me on occasion. You know, most people love me, but on occasion, someone will say a nasty comment or insult me or be rude, sometimes even at a fast food joint. And you know what I do? I do the same thing that you do that every normal person does. Say, ah, okay, yeah, whatever, buddy. Okay, fine, whatever. You take your hamburger and you leave. The kind of people who behave this way are 
I'm probably not allowed to say it on YouTube, so bleep me if you have to, whatever. Crazy people, crazy people behave this way. And when people are acting crazy, a lot of people go crazy at some point in their life. What we do is we try to help them and we pull them back from the brink of delusion and we say, no, hey, calm down, deep breaths. Here's what you're perceiving. Here's reality. Forget the first one. Embrace the second one. You will live a better life. It's not just these random weirdos who throw hissy fits at fast food restaurants. This is even prominent people who are behaving in a way that is hysterical in the face of reality. There's an actor, Billy Porter. I'm not sure that I've ever seen him in anything, but I do see him pop up on talk shows and in commercials and things like that. Billy Porter was just on The View, whining and screaming and carrying on about Ron DeSantis. Everything is about power, and you could always trace it back to the money. You say that all the time. Yeah. You know, it's, it's follow the money, follow the power, power at any cost. It's very hypocritical. You know, the, the, <coughs> the leading cause of death in children are guns. Yeah. 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 They're guns. Yeah. I know it's the morning and I'm not supposed to be screaming, but they're guns. Yeah. Not you know, drag queens. Not drag queens. No. Leave us alone. Yes. You know, and it's just, it's a distraction. It's a distraction on purpose. He goes on, and, and he just says a lot of things that sound like they're an argument, but they're not, which libs do a lot. They're these kind of non sectors And it's hypocrisy, and there are distractions, and you want to talk about something. Let's talk about, let's talk about corporate taxes, okay? Let's talk about the Second Amendment, all right? Let's talk about the, the 12th Amendment, okay? And you just think, well, what are, we, what are you saying about any of those things? Nothing really. Like, guns! Guns! <laughs> I can't even do it. I can't even do a Billy Porter impression. What is he talking about with guns? He's saying the big threat to children is guns, not drag queens. No one's saying that drag queens are murdering children. We're saying that drag queens are scandalizing children. And Drag Queen Story Hour is bringing often uh, sexual criminals, child molesters, into places like libraries and schools to jiggle around in sexualized costumes for children. And that's obviously depraved and wrong. And in some cases already is illegal. And in other cases should be illegal. And we should stop it. Well, what about the guns? What are you saying about that? That's a completely separate issue. And it's true that guns are the leading cause of death among children. It's very close. It's just slightly ahead of automobile accidents. So are you suggesting that we ban automobiles too? What's your, is your argument that we ban guns and we take away the Second Amendment, we rewrite the Constitution, and we deny people's right to defend themselves? Is that, is that what you're saying? What are you saying? You're not saying any of that. You're not making any kind of argument at all. You're trying to distract. And you're distracting by yelling and screaming and wailing and carrying on. And as a rule of thumb, if your ideology causes you to wail and scream first thing in the morning, as Billy Porter acknowledges, there is probably something wrong with your ideology. I notice this every time I go visit different schools. I'm going to be going to Purdue this week. More on that in a second. Uh, but I was just at the University of Buffalo, and the protesters come out, and they wail, and they scream, and they carry on. Occasionally, I'm able to speak to them. We actually have pretty pretty interesting interview with, with some of the protesters at Buffalo coming out soon. Stay tuned for that. But when you speak to them one-on-one and you just try to get them to re- be reasonable and you say, hey, okay, here's, 
here's your premise. Here's the logical conclusion of that. Here's why your premise is wrong. Here's my premise. Here's the conclusion of that. Here's why that would, that's correct and more appealing and more conducive to human flourishing. They can calm down. But then sometimes they just, they go right back to it and they start wailing and they start screaming. That's a good, if you find yourself falling down that rabbit hole, recognize there's something wrong. The people who are correct, the people who are confident in their views, don't need to wail and scream. Sometimes cooler heads prevail. Before we go, we weren't able to, to get to too much on this today, though there's not a ton of breaking news on it. We're waiting to see if the Manhattan DA, Alvin Bragg, indicts Donald Trump, arrests El, El Donaldo. And Trump seems to be leaning into this. Might be the best thing that could happen to his campaign. And it shows you just how obscenely corrupt the political system is in the United States, that the libs would now try to arrest the leader of the political opposition, the chief rival to the current president. Van Jones, who is a Democrat, he's a lib, he's on CNN. He is imploring his fellow Democrats. He's imploring the DA. He's saying, hey, let's let cooler heads prevail and not cross the Rubicon here. My view about this is uh, I think that the heat uh, is on this DA. Uh, I think he's going to make a very sober decision. And I would not be surprised if he doesn't step back from the brink. So is this Van Jones's prediction or is this Van Jones's advocacy saying, yo, brag, calm down here, man. This is, this is going to be an escalation of the political war in this country that we have, we have never seen anything like this. A former president and current top presidential candidate being arrested for what? Because of totally trumped up charges. Now, the libs are very angry with Van Jones, but he's obviously right. Hard to go back from that because if they do arrest Trump, one, it might help Trump's campaign, but two, the Republicans who are in these positions of authority, DAs, attorneys general, and governors to bring political pressure, should arrest five of their guys. Not innocent people, but criminal libs. There's no shortage of criminal libs out there who are not being held to account by the law. If they arrest our guy, we need to arrest five of their guys, okay? And we'll see, and we'll see who's laughing by the end of that exercise, okay? If the conservatives can muster the spine, I think they might be able to. Conservatives have mustered a lot more of a spine in recent years. Then we can't just roll over and allow the libs to arrest the political opposition and turn us into a complete banana republic. So then we have to arrest their guys, and it escalates, and it escalates, and it escalates. And is that where the libs want to take the political order? Maybe they're willing to take the bet. Maybe they're willing to play that game of chicken. But that's a dangerous game of chicken, says Van Jones. And he says, back off. Guys, right now our political order is hanging on by a razor's edge. And when is a razor more than just a razor? How about when it shaves your stubble and cuts down woke companies who hate you all in one single stroke. After years of so-called men's grooming companies waging open war on masculinity, Daily Wire co-CEO Jeremy Boring created a better shaving alternative. It started a year ago when we launched the inaugural Founder Series Razor. Since then, Jeremy has been in the lab crafting a new model. Behold, the Precision 5 Razor. This is the latest shaving masterpiece from Jeremy's Razors. It's crafted with a luxurious tungsten handle five welded steel blades and a flip back trimmer for a close smooth shave around hairlines and hard to reach places. Stop giving your money to leftist companies that hate you. Join the over 100,000 men who ditched their woke razors and switched to Jeremy's. Go to jeremys 
Razors.com today. I'm going to Purdue. I guess I'm going to Purdue tomorrow. I better finish writing my speech. I have not finished writing my speech yet, and already multiple protests are scheduled to try to stop my visit. According to the Purdue Exponent, two different protests have been planned against me. One will take place at the same ballroom that I will be speaking in. My critics are so confused that they can't even agree on how to protest me. And the posters, the ones that I've seen at least, say that I'm a fascist. They put all sorts of swastikas on me. They say no fascists allowed on campus. You know, a week ago, I learned that I was a genocidal maniac. I had never considered myself much of a genocide man, but that's what I learned by reading the newspapers. Now I learn I'm a fascist. Again, had not really considered myself a fascist, but maybe I'll have to go back to some of those fascist writings, try to re- I'm pretty sure I'm not a fascist, but that's what they say. They just escalate it up and up and up. It does go along with my new nickname, Benito Michelini, uh, but they'll do anything. They'll do anything to prevent me from speaking. And why? Why is that? It's because two weeks ago I said that men can't really be women and we should stop pretending that they can. And we should stop indulging this preposterous ideology in public life at every level. And they lost it. And they were so, they were so convinced they could cancel me. And then when the entire conservative media, from the most squishy to the most, from yeah, basically the most squishy, I'm not going to name names, but very, very squishy media figures on the right, all the way to the most right wing. They, they essentially all defended my speech because it's obviously true. Men can't really be women and we can't tolerate this stuff. We really should not tolerate it. Then top Republican politicians, multiple U.S. senators, they came out and the libs were so angry that they weren't able to squash this idea. They were so angry that for the first time in a very long time, conservatives might not just be playing defense and trying to slow down the libs, but might be trying to reclaim ground that the libs thought they had already conquered. They were so angry that now they're calling me Hitler. They're going to try to shut this down. They threaten violence. They do all this kinds of stuff. Okay, well, doesn't worry us. <laughs> we, we come in prepared. You're not going to intimidate us. We'll be there on Thursday. So if you're in the Purdue area, come on by, say hey, and you can listen to the speech. There's a story I wanted to get to a few days ago, and I'm glad we have at least a minute to get to it right now. This was a story in Vice. It's a kind of a science story, and I don't know anything about the science, but it did get me thinking. The headline is, a growing number of scientists are convinced the future influences the past. It's not just that causation goes from the past to the future, but that the future can influence the past in a way. I talked to a guy who has one of the highest IQs ever recorded, and he suggested something similar. And he kind of, I said, I couldn't quite understand it. Someone here says, our instincts of time and causation are our deepest, strongest instincts that physicists and philosophers and humans are loath to give up. But that's what these scientists who are quoted in Vice are saying. Got me thinking, there's a, a Catholic saint, a recent saint, very, very famous priest of the 20th century named Padre Pio. Padre Pio had all these sorts of miracles associated with him. He received the stigmata, the wounds of Christ, uh, miraculously. He, many, many miracles are attributed to Padre Pio. And there's a story about him, apocryphal or not, which is that one time 
uh, he was praying and someone asked Padre Pio, who are you praying for? And he said, I'm praying that my great, great grandfather will have a good death. And the person said, well, your great-great-grandfather obviously died a very long time ago. Why are you praying for that? And, and Padre Pio said, because God is outside of time and space. And so my prayers, for me, inside of time and space can be efficacious. Because for God, time is not a problem. Whether it's apocryphal or not, it tells you something true, I think, and important. Life has integrity to it. The creation has integrity to it. This is something I've noticed about all the greatest works of art, is that the, the, the great works of art that can really make you, reduce you to tears, that can, that can really inspire you, that really resonate with the soul, are works of art in which everything fits together. And this is one of the great debates of our time, is does the world make sense or does the world not make sense? Is, is the world, is there providence? Do things matter? Do things have purpose? Do things have meaning? Are we here for a reason? Are we here at the very right moment? Did God know every hair on our head before we were born? Or is it all just a kind of a cosmic accident caused by a, a, a random blip in the natural laws of the universe created by who knows, whatever, they're just there. And one day we're going to turn off and take a dirt nap and turn to warm food. Which is it? Which is it? I tend to believe it's the former. I don't think we could even wonder at the question if, if the world were not intelligible, if there, if there were not an underlying intelligibility to things. And so it is the former. And if it's the former, this means that one, one wants to have integrity throughout one's whole life, throughout all of creation. Because when God looks at our lives, he's not looking at us moment by moment by moment. He's looking at the whole thing from outside of time and space. That's how you resolve free will and providence and grace fact that things happen according to a divine order. It's the first time I've ever read any religious insight in Vice magazine, but it seems to be catching on. It's catching on with Tulsi Gabbard. It's catching on with New York City Mayor Eric Adams. Remember he said that things really went downhill when we took prayer out of schools. It's catching on even in Vice. True religion is resonating. We've had enough false religion. True religion is resonating. Conservatives should get more comfortable thinking about it and acting on it and speaking in those terms. The rest of the show continues now. You don't want to miss it. Become a member and use code Knowles, K-N-W-L-E-S, at checkout for two months free on all annual plans.